Okay, guys. I'm Carol. I'm from Connect in Tulsa, Connect Church in Tulsa. Thanks for being here. Uh, when we got this topic, we Lynn has has the guys, and we laughed because we said nobody's gonna come because it's <laughs> lazy people don't come to class. <laughs> so I really want to commend you on your courage to come to this class. Um, I want to encourage you also that we're not here just to, uh, you know, pound on your faults or your flaws, okay? But that we're trying to examine this idea of dream, stopping dream busting, or stop dream busting with our toxic habits. And this happens to be one of them that um, a lot of us suffer. In fact, as you look at all those lists of classes, we all suffer from all of them to some degree. And so just trying to kind of hone in on, on maybe one that's really stumping you or, or uh, you really need to understand better as to what, what's making that happen like that is what our goal is. So we really want to help you find you know, a better, better pathway in dealing with this, okay? Uh, everyone, if they're human, deals with laziness, okay? It is not, you're not uh, singled out or weird, okay? In fact, laziness has got many, many names, which we are all really free to use. Um, uh, the word couch potatoes is now a common term that denotes that we are lazy. Daydreamers, um, like there's something wrong with that, okay? But, uh, you know, when we think about a lazy person that just sits around and daydreams all the time and doesn't do anything. Bingers is a new a new term that we attach to being lazy because when we just want to like veg and shut down and you know finding our show and binging on it all day is is one of those areas that we find ourselves in it when we're struggling with being lazy um planning lazy days nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with a lazy day but if that's all we do is is if every effort we are involved in the only thing we can think about is when will I have my day off when can I have a day where nobody asks me anything okay that's not reality in life and so we kind of sabotage even our effort our days that are full of effort with always wishing for a lazy day procrastinators okay now I'm starting to get personal okay <laughs> um, we put things off just until the, the whatever the, the idea, whatever the job is, is just kind of blows up because we've waited until the last minute. And it's a, it's a lazy way to get out of work. Okay, just put it off until either somebody else has to do it or until the, the whole thing implodes. Energy conservers, okay? You, uh, you only have this much amount of energy. Therefore, you must save it. So this much amount of energy must be category in a, in a do-nothing zone. And, and so we become conservers of our energy. Responsibility avoiders. Now we're getting even more personal, okay? Um, where just the idea of, oh, please don't ask me to do that. Anything but that, okay? And these are kind of, these are the labels that we have begun to attach to this eventually at least toxic habit if not that's already busting the dreams that god has in mind for you uh, entitled okay avoiders of imperfect endeavors we're going to look at some ways that maybe we're going to redefine laziness so that we'll understand ourselves a little bit better okay so that's a little bit uh, deeper term there uh, we usually don't think of perfectionists as lazy but actually, we are because um, we aren't going to do it at all if we can't do it perfectly. Okay. Um, Busybodies, um, failure preventers. Are you hearing the the kind of characteristic pattern going on here? Okay. And so on one side, we're like, oh, you know, I'm so lazy, but. Are these the things that we're doing? Are these the things that we are actually implementing into our lives and letting ourselves get away with because 
because they sound a little better or they describe our inner personality a little better. Um, there's a lot of these things, again, that there's nothing wrong with. So we're not saying, okay, all of you now must become workaholics. Okay, that's the only other option. That's not what we're saying, but we're going to break it down where we have a, um, some ways to attack it. Okay? Um, we took a survey with our, our guys at church on our band, and we just threw out the question of how do you define laziness. We uh, gave it a little caveat of do not Google first. Just give us your, your most innate initial reaction or definition of that. So these are the words that our people came up with. Choosing not to do. Not doing it. Unwilling. Not willing to expend energy. Neglect. Fear or overprotection. Choose to lay around. Lack of doing. Letting someone else do it. Failing to complete the task. Letting others pick up your slack. Not living up to potential. Not using talent or opportunities. Complacency. Being a bum. Look the other way. Not having the will to do. These are just ordinary, everybody's just like you. And their, their first initial definition of laziness looks like that. Is, th is that, does that make laziness sound attractive or does it make it sound unattractive? Okay, why? Why wouldn't that be a list? And we all go, oh yeah, I'm a lazy person. That's what it's saying. And then we go, oh no, I don't want to be a lazy person. Because that's the impression that is left. I have a mantra these days that says, everyone in the world wants everyone to follow all the rules except me. <laughs> and we're all playing that way. We're all running around going, you can't be lazy, you can't be lazy, you can't be lazy, but I can't be lazy. Because all of you have to follow the rules, but I do not. And so we've got to own up to the fact that when we subscribe, when we buy into this, this dream buster in our lives, that this is the reputation that we're leaving, okay? And that is coming from man, okay? And so what we're going to dig into a little deeper is what does God say about laziness, okay? If that had an impact on you, what is God's definition of lazy? How does that impact you? Because that should be the, the opinion that matters. Um, and so that's what we want to uh, delve into it. So, and do we want to delve into it seriously? Uh, is, does this alarm us? Does this make us, does this motivate us, motivate us enough to make, want to make change in our life? So that's our goal for today. So we're going to look at four different ways to diagnose your laziness, okay? And that's where your little handout will kind of come in handy, I hope, okay? So we're going to look at physical laziness, okay? Physical laziness is literally the struggle to move, to get up, to go, to, to do any action, okay? We all know what those days are like where you can't barely get yourself out of bed, okay? Maybe a whole lot of reasons for that. Maybe a whole lot of extenuating circumstances for that. Nevertheless, this is the pattern that we have become to develop is just literally not being able to get out of bed. Uh, a struggle to exercise. A struggle to go to work. A struggle to clean, whether that be your, your house, your body, your car, uh, just this idea of, of my life will run better if I just get things in order, okay? Can't do it because it's too much work. Self-discipline, okay? Whatever it is you're working on, you just think, ah, oh, that's, just, that's just too hard. I just can't do it. And we continually find ourselves taking ourselves out of work rather than moving into things that we should be doing, okay? Things that are good for us. Not just because somebody is bossing us and telling us we have to do it, but because it's, it's going to make us better people, okay? 
that is, you know, the, that is the identifying marks of physical laziness, okay? Physical laziness promotes insatiable appetites and it destroys action. Okay, remember that. Promotes insatiable appetites and destroys action. Uh, I am not an athletic person. I am about as far from an athletic person as could be. I can't, well, I can't walk and chew gum. I can't run. <laughs> I was never coordinated. I never could dance. I couldn't, I have no rhythm. Um, my husband, on the other hand, is very athletic. And so, and has many different skill sets in that area. So it's very obvious to me, you know, it's like in my face <laughs> how unathletic I am. But it, what I had to learn in my life is that I still had to use my muscles. I still had to have strength. I still had to um, build endurance for my life to work. I did not have to be the champion. I did not have to be the coach or the, or the star athlete, but I had to move. And when you're not athletic, you, the, the propensity is to like just sit down and be still. And that does not work. And so I found in my life that I had to find ways to stop being sedentary. I had to, I had to, it may not look like the athlete's plan where they've got to work, you know, train, 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 train. But I had to become disciplined in moving, okay? Proverbs 19:15 says, laziness brings on deep sleep and the shiftless go hungry. So these are going to be, this is what God says about what happens when we don't move. And, you know, when we talk, first talked about it, we said, you can't get yourself out of bed, okay? It's a, it is a sign of physical laziness. The more you sit, the more you're prone to sit. Okay, we'll keep talking about that a little bit further. Proverbs 12, 24 says, diligent hands will rule. But laziness ends in forced labor. Remember how we talked about the reputation of, the, of all of the survey answers? And this is what the world thinks of us when, when, this is our, when this laziness attitude is ours. What, what God is saying here is that when you're lazy, you're, you're not going to make progress. You're, you're going you're gonna to work for the man <laughs> all your life. You're going to not find uh, avenues of progress because you're sitting and you're not moving. And so you are forced into only the work that somebody tells you to do. And that can make you really unhappy and that can make you really bitter. And therefore, God's not recommending laziness in our life because it does not produce. Okay, let's look at emotional laziness. Emotional laziness would be the fear of risk, a lack of initiative, um, a non-talker, a person who is alone, okay, um, which typically we would call an introvert, but this level will be that they, they have a fear of all people. Just the idea of talking to someone just, just freaks them out. Uh, but it's not only introverts that struggle with laziness or emotional laziness, okay? An extrovert can become crisis-oriented, okay? This is a way to just produce something wrong in all situations, therefore I can't function. And so we just, this is a crisis, this is a crisis, this is a crisis. We make a lot of noise, we make a lot of people jump around on our behalf, Okay, but we're not doing anything. We're just circling, okay? And this is an emotional laziness. Final one, conflict avoidance. I don't know a human being alive who likes conflict. If you hate it, you think there's a group of people that like it. 
It's not true. There's just people who have learned how to deal with it. And there's people who have learned how to do it more effectively. And they have you know, tried, and they have uh, trial and error, and they have figured some things out. So if, if conflict, conflict avoidance is how you describe yourself, like, mm, thank you, I don't like it. Welcome to the human race, but it means you're emotionally lazy because there's no way you can live on this earth without conflict. And so if we want to be people of God, we're going to have to figure out some other way of doing it, okay? When I was a little girl, my family's nickname for me was Henny Penny. And that meant, if you're not familiar with that old tale, that meant the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And so anything that happened to me was like the end of the world. And it was like, oh, no. And I became known. I mean, that became my nickname, okay? And it was not working because you don't function when you think everything's bad. You don't function when you think all is going to go wrong. You don't function when you stop moving because it could be scary, okay? And so that was emotional laziness in my life, okay? Ecclesiastes 10:18 says, Through laziness, the rafters sag because of idle hands, the house leaks, okay? When you are emotionally lazy, your, your life starts to fall apart. That will be, that will be what you can uh, graph. That will be what you can chronicle, Okay? What's happening in my life? Is it on an upward movement or is it just chaos crazy all the time? Okay? Um, you'll have signs of neglect. Okay? Your car will fall apart. Your, your uh, rafters will sag. Your roof <laughs> will start to cave in. We're talking emotionally here. But, and this is true of even a physical house. You do not take care of it and the rafters sag, okay? And the roof starts to leak. And if you go, I don't, I don't, I don't like roofs. I don't wanna look at my roof. It does not stop leaking, okay? Am I making sense there? Okay, now let's look at mental laziness. Mental laziness uh, would be the, uh, the procrastinator, okay? Just put it off. Don't, I can't think about it now. Okay, I'll think about it later. Okay, you never volunteer. You're like, no, 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 I'll let somebody else do that. Okay, you lack curiosity. Okay, you're not, you're not interested in solution. Okay, you don't, you don't want to be that person who has to step out and examine a situation and make some changes to it, whether it be yourself, whether it be the organization, the church, the job you work at, you're not that person who's going to volunteer for any of that. And you lack curiosity. You like, oh, this is just the way it's always been. And that's, you know, I don't know. You'd probably do this a lot, okay? You never try new things, okay? Because they they're scary. And you live with lack of solutions in your life, okay? Meaning, everything's broken all the time. When I met Lynn, which I was very, very young, and I had, was blessed with a, a very sheltered but healthy upbringing in my family, and Lynn came into my life and he was a hot mess because he had a broken family. He had run away at 12. He had experienced uh, physical abuse, neglect, abandonment, um, and so he had, you know, a lot of issues that constantly made him ask why about all things. And so I come up with what I thought, oh, this is the formula for life. Everything goes well. Your, you know, security is expected. Um, you know, nobody's really hurt me that bad, blah, blah, blah. And he came in and he's like, why? Well, because that's how we do it. Well, why? Well, I, I, because I, I think it's because of that. Well, why? And I was just like, 
dude, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. And he, like that situation, whether it was, you know, meant to be healthy or not, it was where we were at. And I had to start thinking about why don't I know? Why am I just regurgitating the answers that I've been given before? Not necessarily wrong answers, okay? But I didn't know why I was giving them. And I had to start thinking. I had to start doing some homework and some research. And I had to answer, and he was not satisfied with anything packed. And I'm just, you know, I'm using him as an example because I was really young, so I was just entering life, okay? And that's what life does, is just push back on all the things that you think ought to be, okay? And so I was getting pushed back, and it forced me out of what I would call mental laziness because somebody was asking me why, and I, was, I had to come up with some answers, okay? Proverbs 18.9 says, One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. Well, that's a pretty... That's a pretty impactful indictment right there, okay? Because that means you are associated with destruction. Your your mental laziness is giving you the reputation for that you're not a successful person. And if that bothers you, then you got to you got to work on that aspect of your laziness, okay? Your association with unsuccess means no one's going to say, come here and help us work through this. No one's going to think you're that you're the person who can fix things, okay? So you're going to be left out, which will, will promote more mental laziness because you're not going to get challenged, okay? Okay, and then the fourth one for our diagnosis of laziness is spiritual laziness. Okay, and what I left out is that mental laziness, okay, I left two things out. Emotional laziness promotes paralysis and destroys passion. And mental laziness promotes atrophy and destroys innovation. Everybody get that? So then we're talking about spiritual laziness. Spiritual laziness looks like this. Lacking a seeker spirit. You know what I mean by seeker spirit? Um, When we're talking spiritual, and here we all are, um, you know, seeking God, seeking a deeper relationship within our life, planting churches, trying to outreach to people who don't know Jesus. If you lack a seeker spirit, it's just going to go right by you. You're just going to be standing there while all of this opportunity passes you by. Okay? A fear of never measuring up. Okay? I can't. I'm not going to grow. I'm never going to get any better. Okay? Spiritual laziness because that is not what God talks about in his word. Okay? Not owning personal weaknesses. Okay, not being willing to look at your life. You guys are here today, willing to look at your life. Okay, so you're already a step ahead. Okay, those who aren't in here, <laughs> they might be the people who don't realize that they are not owning their personal weaknesses yet. That's not for us to go necessarily tell them, but yet understand that just being here and saying, "Look, I I want to know, understand this better." is a sign that you're working you're working on your spiritual laziness never working on overcoming them not using your strengths not seeking guidance from god or godly people doing the same behavior over and over and expecting a different outcome okay that's what spiritual laziness will look like in your life okay spiritual laziness promotes self-centeredness and it destroys gratitude. And this scripture, particularly of all of them, to me is the is is the most alarming. 
Okay, this is Matthew 24, 26, and 27. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Ouch. This is the Lord speaking here, okay? He's the one telling the parable, but yet he's the master. And his words to his lazy servants is wicked. Wicked. That's not poor you, okay? That's not, you know, come on. He's indicting us on this. And so it is very important that we look at this and we start taking some action, which we're going to talk about. Um, the should have put my money on deposit, that is the least amount of work that this servant could possibly have done. You couldn't, it couldn't be any less action than just, okay, go put the money back and let the bankers compound the interest, okay? And he did not even do that. So just getting by with the least amount of work, it might get you by, but I don't think well done is going to be the Lord's answer if that's what we're trying to get by with. So many of us, this, this culture and this, if I can speak gener like generationally, which I am not your generation as you can tell, but it is almost promoted and encouraged and compl or complimented like did you get by with as little work as possible did you you know did you have to did you have to go out of your way i mean in in work cultures in school cultures in home cultures it's all about doing the least amount possible and that is not who we are as christians okay we're going to talk about some ways of how to to work on that, but do not let culture dictate your attack on laziness, okay? Do not be that person who the Lord would say, you wicked, lazy servant. That, that scares me. That scares me. Like, wow, if I can't take that seriously, then what else am I not going to take seriously, okay? So, I want you to fill in the next blank. I struggle the most with which laziness? Is everybody able to put an answer down? Okay. Because I don't want to, I don't want you to. I don't want to prevent you from being honest with yourself about whatever it is you put down. Okay, that's why we defined it. That's to help you understand that laziness is not just one idea. It infiltrates our lives all kinds of directions. Okay, and we need to be people who are aware of that. We can be busy and be lazy. Did you know that? <laughs> we can be involved and be lazy. Okay. We can be smart and be lazy, and we can appear very spiritual and be very lazy, okay? So understand that, that it infiltrates, it's insidious in our lives, okay? It can come in from all directions. And so, and knowing is your first, you know, part of the battle is understanding, okay, that is laziness. And so therefore, I can attack it, okay? I can do it. Understand that you are not just one of these categories, okay? You may have picked the one where you see yourself the largest or the brightest, but, you know, every, all of our days are involved in some facet of each one of these, okay? Okay, so now we're going to talk about what are some antidotes for laziness. What, somebody define antidote for me. What is an antidote? Treatment. Treatment, okay. A cure. A cure, okay. Um, 
Okay. Solution. I'm sorry? Solution. Solution. Okay. So we are looking, you know, when you, when you get a, a poison and the first thing you do is you go look for the antidote, okay, that counteracts the, the toxin, okay? We're looking at laziness as a toxin in our life. It is a dream buster. It is stopping you from seeing what God has in mind for you and missing it. And so now we want to put that, we want to get that antidote to you so that you can start counteracting that toxin, okay? The first one we'll talk about is the antidote for physical laziness. Um, let's look at the scripture first. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, 12 says, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Okay, remember how we talked about the more you sit, the more you sit more. <laughs> if you sit a long time, you end up laying down. I mean, the, the trajectory is downhill, not uphill. Okay? So God says, get to strengthening. Get yourself moving and breathing. Okay, That's the antidote right there. Move and breathe. This is the advice we give on so many occasions to so many people who, whether it be physical, like the physical uh, uh, aspects of depression, one of the first things we'll say is like, okay, first, move and breathe. Get up out of bed, literally breathe and move. And if that means you got to the shower, you have moved and breathed. That's how simple this antidote is. But what I can tell you over time is it, it doesn't have to be that uh, specific. It is literally, when you learn this, you will be saying, you will find you will be saying it to yourself all the time, okay? Just move and breathe. Just move and breathe. When anxiety like punches you in the face, breathe and move and watch what happens, okay? This is an extremely practical step, and it, it requires physicality, okay? It requires literally your arms and your legs and your lungs and your head, all of the things that need to move and breathe. And so if you identified with physical laziness, start moving and breathing. Whether if it's, if it's an exercise program, then there it is. If it is is cleaning your room, it's moving and breathing. If it is straightening up a situation in your life, move and breathe. And, and uh, take it seriously. Like, own it. Like, love it. <laughs> because it's an answer. And it sounds like we could just all roll our eyes at it. And I can, I can give you testimony over testimony over testimony on how it has worked. And so literally take that seriously. Remember the story in Ezekiel of the, of the dry bones where, who is it? <laughs> is, it is it Ezekiel or is it, is it? Yeah, it's actually Ezekiel, isn't it? Because he's writing it. Okay, sorry about that. Um, and he comes across the field of dry bones and God starts, he's like, ah, we can't do anything here. It's just a bunch of bones. And all of a sudden, remember, the bones start rattling. And then all of a sudden, the bones start coming together. And then all of a sudden, the, the ligaments start attaching the bones together. And then all of a sudden, the skin starts attaching to the ligaments. And all of a sudden, there's an army. Okay? That is a, that is a biblical description of moving and breathing. When you are flat on your back, when you are, are, are um, what was the, when you are starving, okay, to death because you can't do anything, then move and breathe. When we, moving begets moving, okay, we're going to keep on building on this. The more you do something, the more you'll do it even more, okay. Um, the reason God talks about it being being hungry in that first when we were defining 
uh, is physical laziness. When you are physically lazy and you're hungry and you keep on sitting around, what happens? Do you get full? You get hungrier, don't you? Okay, so it's like that downward spiral, okay? Moving and breathing does just the opposite. If you start moving and get busy, all of a sudden the hungers start diminishing, okay? And that can be hunger for food. It could be hunger for people. It could be hunger for someone hearing you, knowing you, noticing you, okay? But the, the more you sit and don't do anything, the worse that hunger gets. But the more you move, moving begets moving. And so the, the pathway to finding those things that are bothering you is gonna be by moving and breathing. Okay, we'll keep going. Uh, this, the first Corinthians verse, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets surprised? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Move. <laughs> Move. Okay, emotional laziness. Um, emotional laziness literally paralyzes our hearts. Literally paralyzes our hearts. It's an emotional heart attack. Okay, what happens to people who, who have cardiac arrest? What, is the, what do the medical people do? CPR. CPR, okay. Okay, what's that? What's the AED or the paddles? Okay, all right. They come in and they shock you, okay? They shock your part back into rhythm, okay? And so understand that when you are emotionally lazy, that your heart needs waking up, okay? It needs the paddles, okay? And that's gonna come when, when we start confronting our fears, okay? And when we begin, and then again, if, if we can, if what we do promotes more then we got to start somewhere, okay? So the first thing that you can do with emotional laziness is take a risk. And I could probably just have scared, you know, two-thirds of the room by those three words, okay? But that is the antidote. It is the antidote. And you can start small, but you've got to start. Like, if the doctors just sit there with the paddles and go, hmm, what if... You know, what if we don't do anything? They don't, that's not what they do. They go, clear, bam, and they wake that person up, okay? And so taking a risk is literally the paddles. And, and knowing how, what that risk should be, maybe you need help with that. Maybe you need to talk to someone that says, okay, this is what I need to do because I'm emotionally paralyzed, okay? And, and so, how will, you know, what risk can I take? But you can start somewhere. And knowing that's what you need to do is about 80% of the battle. Okay? Knowing that taking a risk is the answer. Because I would guess that if you are emotionally lazy, taking the risk is like, oh, anything but that. Okay? Is your answer. But I'm telling you that that is the answer. Okay? Um, when I was in the hospital one time having, after having major surgery, I woke up in the recovery room and uh, they were taking my covers off. If you've ever been post-surgery, they put these blankets on you that come straight out of the dryer and they're just straight from heaven. And I wake up and they're pulling them off of me in a recovery room, I think probably 20, 22 degrees. I mean, it is the coldest place that you've ever been in. And so to be covered up and warm in there is wonderful. And I wake up and I'm pulling them off of me. And I'm like, give me my blanket. And the next thing I feel is the pain that the surgery has caused. And I'm like, I need some help. I'm hurting. I'm hurting. And the nurse comes over to me and she says, sweetheart, I know you are hurting. But your blood pressure is dropping. And we have got to get it up. And so we're having to do this for a, for a time until we get your blood pressure up. You're going to have to hang on. And I said, well, I'm hurting. Let me have some pain medicine. She goes, I can't give you any until we get your blood pressure up. I said, well, I'm freezing to death. I can't give you a blanket until your blood pressure comes up. 
But what was most important there? For me to be warm and comfortable with my blood pressure tanking or to get my blood pressure up, okay? And so another person had to help me in that process. I couldn't have done that for myself, but they had to take a risk and they had to put me through some pain for me to get where I was supposed to be, okay? So taking a risk, yes, it can have pain associated too. Don't let that surprise you. But yet the alternative is bad for you. It is paralysis, okay? So taking a risk is where you have to be. Okay, now, where are we? Mental? Let's look at mental laziness. The antidote. Okay, mental laziness does not mean we are stupid or that we are learning disabled. That has nothing to do with it, okay? It means that we put our minds into sleep mode. If y'all have laptops, and you know what it's like when they, you leave them alone long enough and they go into sleep mode, and then you come back to them and you're like ready to do your work and you just got a blank screen there and you're like, I didn't turn it off. So you're like doing the mouse and you're hitting the power button and nothing's coming on and you're like, did it die? You know, and you like you're kind of at a loss of how to get that thing woke back up. <laughs> okay, that's what happens to our brains when we're mentally lazy. Okay, they go into sleep mode and we cannot come out of it. Remember, we said mental laziness promotes atrophy. What's atrophy? Okay, why does that happen? Okay, because you don't use them. Okay, what, uh, what's the saying? If you, if you don't use it, you lose it? Okay, that's what's going to happen in, men in mental laziness. And so the, the longer we live that way, the harder it is to wake it up. Okay, to wake our minds up. And what God says is that we have the mind of Christ. Do you realize that? Do you realize in 1 Corinthians that's what it says? We, Paul says this, we have the mind of Christ. Christ's mind is not in sleep mode. Okay? It's not in sleep mode. So if we are mentally lazy, it is not because of Christ. Okay? It is us letting that take over. Romans 15.5 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. How hard did Christ have to work to save you? How, uh, what did he have to do? What's one of the things that he literally had to do to come save us? Where was he before? He had to leave heaven. I don't know. I mean, nobody here has been in heaven yet, but what we do know is better than here, like okay, times a million. And so he chose to leave heaven. That, that wasn't like, oh boy, okay? Um, he had to learn obedience. Christ, that's what scripture says, okay? He had to learn obedience learn with with his mind with his perfect godly mind scripture says he still had to learn obedience okay he had to trust the father Ooh, aha, trust that's a tough one okay and so but he he had to only say what the father told him to say he had to do you know he asked that it be that the cup be passed from him but he had to trust the father that what was happening had to happen Okay? He was using his mind. He endured the cross. And, you know, in our Bible study that we, that we sit down with new believers or, or seekers, and we talk about the, the emotional pain, the physical pain, and spiritual pain that Jesus experienced on the cross, okay? He was, he was suffering, okay, to endure the cross, but he knew what his task was. Okay, so the antidote to mental laziness is to work a project. Get busy. 
Find something that needs doing. And I'm not just talking about, you know, just being task-oriented only. I'm talking about something that you pour yourself into. Something that you are interested in or that God has led you to be interested in. Because there's many tasks out there that all of us have gone, how did I get here? Right? How can I be doing this? I'm in children's ministry right now. <laughs> I'm way past the age to have to be doing, or not to have to be doing it, to have all the energy it takes to do children's ministry. But there it was, it has to be done. Boom, we're doing it. And I'm having to pour my mind into it. Okay? That is bringing my mind out of atrophy. Okay? Um, and it, it doesn't have to just be church work, okay? It can be how you do your job. Because your job, where you work, where you go to school, wherever your days are, everywhere there is, there's that circle of influence, okay? And you are working something. You're either doing it to the best of your ability or you're doing it just to that slim little least amount that you can get by with. The antidote to mental laziness is to work the project, okay? What it, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord, okay? Ephesians 5.14 says, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Um, all of us like to shine. We don't always shine, but we like to shine. Uh, what I'm learning these days is that in the culture that we live in, it doesn't take a lot to shine anymore because not too many people care about it. If you know about quietly quitting and all of these things, people aren't working harder. They're working lesser. And so they are not shining. When, when any of us shine in our project, then, then we're going to be bright. Okay, But... Scripture here says Christ will shine on you. Do you think that Christ is brighter than you? So if you are working a project in the name of the Lord to the best of your ability with all of your energy, it says Christ is going to shine on you. That's a different light. That's not about you. That's about him. And the way you will know it is that Christ is glorified, okay, by that, by taking on that antidote. Okay, the, the fourth one for spiritual laziness the antidote is to grow your gratitude. Okay, remember the uh, the servant who did the least amount he could. Okay, he didn't get what had been done for him. He did not get that he had a master who provided all of these things for him, and so he was just like, oh, "I'll just do the least amount." Okay, if we start losing our ability to give thanks. To be grateful for what we have, which is a very easy and contagious habit, then we will be spiritually lazy. It will be the outcome, and we know it. It is statistically proven that if you want to change a habit in your life, no matter what it is, it, it takes doing it for typically a minimum of three months. So if you, want to, if you want to change your eating habits, then if you change them for three months and you are diligent about that, after three months you will find that you feel worse returning to your old habit than you do what you have acquired in the new habit. If you exercise for three months, you will find out that not going to the gym makes you feel worse than when you you know, first went and got so sore, okay? And then you're like, okay, I don't want to stop doing this because I will have to return back to day one. And now, after three months, I have learned what this is doing for me. It is the same with giving thanks, okay? You develop a habit of giving thanks, however you learn to do that, whether you keep a journal, whether you get on your knees and just thank, 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 um, whether you have people around you, and in fact, this I would highly recommend you, have, you surround yourself with thankful people because unthankful people, it's very contagious, okay? And so if you want to come out of spiritual laziness, then you're going to grow your gratitude. Galatians 5, 7 says you were running a good race who cut in on you from obeying the truth. Philippians 3, 12 says not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on 
to take hold of that which Christ took hold of for me. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You don't just, you know, walk around and think, okay, it's, it's just happening to me because I'm like, I don't happen to gripe today. You have to work at this. And it is, it is good work. It is good work growing your gratitude. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And the last scripture, Matthew 9, 37, says, He said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. Okay? Let's do this together, Christians. Let's do this together. And let's, let's attack these insidious habits in our life that are sending out the wrong message to the world. Okay? And let's show them what a better life can be. It'll be better for you, and it will be better for the people that you meet, and that you share, and that you shine, and you and you testify, and you love. Okay? And so use these antidotes to stop this dream busting, because what God has in mind for you, you do not want to miss. I don't know what each of y'all's dreams that God has for you are. But I do know that he does not dream anything but good dreams. So please do not miss it because of laziness. Okay? Let's pray. No, we can go to the next class. Father God, we're so glad that you made a way. We're so glad that you have a better way and that you did not abandon us to ourselves. But God, we ask you to wake us up. We ask you to, to pick up our dry bones. We ask you to hit us with the paddles. We ask you to, to clear the way for what you need us to do in your kingdom so that we can work and, and we can be blessed and that, that the beauty of our life begets more beautiful lives. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.